0: Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new New Year's Eve special edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And with the end of 2023, literally upon us, it's time for me to unveil my top 10 films of this year, 2023. And again, this is just my top 10. This isn't the official top 10 of the year, what everybody should go with. Everyone has their own top 10, and these are the top 10 films that I think are my favorites of of this year, and this has been an incredible year of movies from great original ideas to great adaptations, just great works of art overall. And so, I think this top 10 that I have this year just encapsulates. Everything that I love about movies, and especially, and usually what I do with my top tens, and I say it every single year, is the experience that I have when I go to the movies, or rather if I'm watching on a streaming service like Netflix or Amazon Prime, either way, I'm I'm always about the experience of seeing these movies and what they make me feel, how they make me feel when I'm coming out of it, and also the rewatchability factor. And these, some of the films that are on my list are actually films that I rewatched over the last couple weeks that I can't get out of my head right now and were always things that I came back to over the last couple of months and overall into 2023 as a whole. So before I actually go into my overall top 10, these are actually some of the films that I had that were honorable mentions that didn't make the top 10, but I didn't want to go without talking about them and giving them their due. So these are the films that didn't make the top 10, but were in kind of the 11 to 15 range. If I were to make a top 15 top 20 list of 2023. So the films that made the honorable mentions list in no particular order were Priscilla from Sofia Coppola. I really did enjoy that film. I think it's one of her best films in years, so that's on my honorable mention list. I also have the film A Good Person, which came out in the month of March and directed by Zach Braff, starring Florence Pugh, Morgan Freeman. Just a real human story about tragedy, loss, addiction, how to overcome certain things in your life when things are not going your way and so I thought it was given great performances a really good human story and so that one really stuck out for me so that made my honorable mentions list Polite Society Missing which came out early in 2023 and its sister film or rather its predecessor in Searching was my favorite film when it came out in 2018. And this one didn't make the list, but I really enjoyed it. It was a great theatrical experience that I had with the twists and turns. Really loved the performances by Nia Long and Storm Reid. So that was one that made list, And one that I recently saw over the last couple of weeks that I had to give a lot of love to, and and I absolutely loved the experience that I had, was Wonka, directed by Paul King, starring Timothy Chalamet as the title character. Just a wholesome holiday film that fits this time period right now that everyone can go and see in theaters right now. It's doing really well at the box office, so I think it showcases the reception that audiences are giving this film overall, and I'm happy with that because it really is just a warm, enjoyable, lighthearted, fun family film to go see, and it was one of the best theatrical experiences I had especially coming into the end of the year so those were the films that were on my honorable mention list again Wonka, Missing, Polite Society, A Good Person and Priscilla but now to go into the films that did make the top 10 so we're going to start out at the bottom of the list work our way up from 10 to 1 and starting out the top 10 list of 2023 is my number 10 film on the list which is goodbye to you my trusted friend a new day is dawning. New ideas, new woos, new management. We've known each other since we were lying. Who is this? The Marquis de Gramont. Challenge him to single combat. Win or lose. It's so a way out. I don't sit at the table. Your family does. John Wick Chapter 4 is my number 10 film, directed once again by Chad Stahelski, starring Keanu Reeves, once again reprising the role as everyone's favorite badass assassin in John Wick. And I've loved this franchise from its very first installment to what it has become this year. And it was just continuing to evolve and just tell an incredible story and this is just one of the great stories overall in Hollywood of how a little film in the first John Wick film becomes this surprising franchise that just gets better and better with each and every film and this one does that evolving the great action and story from chapter 3 to chapter 4 and it just seems like everything that Chats to Hellskin Keanu Reeves worked on in the previous 3 films has led to chapter 4 between the action the incredible story the continued world building with the high table and the world of the assassins and John Wick and John Wick's backstory and including all these new and returning characters that were involved. I thought Bill Skarsgård played a really, really good villain. I think it was great seeing Ian McShane once again, Lawrence Fishburne. Just everyone bought their A-game to this. And of course, the action in this one, just again, somehow each and every film continues to evolve in the action. And this one is no different. Somehow finding new and inventive ways to creating amazing action thrills that even at almost three plus hours, I still wanted to watch this film and didn't want it to stop. I wish there was an extended edition of this film because I just want to see more of these action sequences. They're so fun and engaging. And whether this is the end of the John Wick story, whether there's more to tell, I thought this was a great way to surprisingly end the John Wick story. But if there's more to come, so be it. I'll be there for more installments as well. So that is my number 10 film of this year. Now to go to my number 9 film of 2023, which is... The Hosei's. They have the worst land possible, but they outsmarted everybody. The land had oil on it. Black gold. Money flows freely here now. I do love that money, sir. (laughs) Killers of the Flower Moon once again directed by the great Martin Scorsese starring an incredible cast that includes Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro and Lily Gladstone. This is a movie that I was really looking forward to. I'm always a big fan of Martin Scorsese. He's one of the masters when it comes to directing just crafting great incredible films of course throughout his illustrious prestigious career and this one is no different. I was a huge fan of The Irishman when it came out in 2019 and this one is very much different than some of his other films that have come out over the last couple of years. This very much reminds me kind of an amalgamation of... There will be blood mixed in with the crime epics of the Irishman and Goodfellas that we know Scorsese to do as well, led by incredible performances all across the board. Leo gives a great performance, De Niro gives a great performance, but it's really all stolen by the 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 one who does it all in this film, which is Lily Gladstone, who a lot of people won't know until they watch this film, and, and in the midst of acting amongst these titans in the industry. Lily Gladstone really holds her own against these two and is really the heart and soul of this film. And I think Scorsese does a great job of, even in three and a half hours, telling this tragic dark kind of black story in American history and really what went on in the Osage County in this area during this time period. And even though it's based off of a book that really isn't kind of a full beginning, a middle and end, it's really just kind of going through the notes of this FBI case. I think it does a great job of really including and really getting into the heart and soul of what this story is all about. And it's one that I think is very tough to watch over and over and over again. This isn't one where I would recommend watching it with family and friends and getting popcorn together, although you would want to get popcorn to watch any movie, but to really kind of huddle around and watch this film. This is one that will really throw you in and really put you on a roller coaster ride of emotions throughout this film. It does stick to its runtime of three and a half hours. I did feel the length of the film. It takes all the time that it needs to to tell this story. Whereas I felt like something like The Irishman felt like it was really going at a fast pace. And before I knew it, it felt like it was two and a half hours instead of three and a half hours for that movie. This one feels like you're watching a three and a half hour movie and an epic that is going on here. So even though it is not higher on the list, I still have Kills of the Flower Moon at number nine on my list. I really did enjoy it. I thought it was a great installment from Martin Scorsese once again. And he continues to just deliver on each and every one of his films that come out over the years. Now to move on to my number eight film of 2023, which is. Meet the residents of Element City. Air usually has their head in the clouds. Oh, my new jacket. Earth can be a little seedy. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing weird going on here. Uh, just a little pruning. Water is always getting into something. <laughs> Help! Elemental, the latest from Disney and Pixar. This is a film that hasn't really gotten a lot of, I feel like, appreciation since it came out during the month of June this year. And even though its box office did really well since its opening weekend, this is I feel like this is going to go down as one of the more underrated Pixar films that come out in recent years, and I hope it's able to find its audience on Disney+, Plus, on VOD, DVD, home media format, because this is one of the great Pixar films that have come out over the last couple of years. This is my favorite since Seoul back in 2020 when it came out, and I feel like this is the return to form that we've been looking for within Pixar, which it delves into not just a great love story, but also a great immigration story, and it does it within telling in the world of the elements that we know and love and I think that everyone should really be able to relate to this film and it reminds me of the great ingenuity of a Pixar film like in Inside Out where you're telling the this kind of human story that everyone can relate to but you're doing it in telling a world that it can be very childlike and I think that is the beauty and wonder of of a Pixar film this is an emotional film but it's also a great romantic story it's a great love story that I was really invested in I think it does a great job in telling apart different cultures in the way of earth elements and I just think it's great ingenuity and creativity and it's one of my favorite films to come out in 2023 and my favorite Pixar film to come out in a couple of years now so kudos to Pixar even though this one isn't getting the talk that some of previous Pixar films have been getting I hope it's able to find an audience and a fan base over the next couple years and realize for the great Pixar film that it really, truly is. And I'm happy to see this one on my top 10 list. Now moving on from eight to seven in my top 10 of 2023, which is. If summer doesn't sing in you, then nothing sings in you. And if nothing sings in you, then you can not make music. Something she told me. Hello, I'm Lenny. Hello, Felicia. Oh, she's so beautiful. Tell me about it. Oh, she's wonderful. She's a lovely girl. What age are we living in? One can be as free as one likes without guilt or confession. Please, I know exactly who you are. Maestro, the brand new film from director Bradley Cooper in his sophomore directorial effort since his debut in 2018 with A Star is Born. This is one that I have very much been looking forward to since the beginning of the year. I was a big fan of what he did in A Star is Born, kind of bringing somehow a new angle to it, even though it's a film that's been adapted multiple times throughout the years of movie history. And the story is one that is timeless. It is classic. And I really did love what he was able to do with it. So I was excited to see, as a director, what he was able to do moving forward. And the story of Maestro, which is, of course, specifically about the the world and the career and the life of Leonard Bernstein is very much a different angle than what we saw Bradley Cooper do in A Star is Born and I think he absolutely delivers not just as a director but also as a performer playing Leonard Bernstein I think Carrie Mulligan delivers to me I think the performance of her career I know some, some people might argue that could be something like a promising young woman but what she's able to do in this film is endearing it's heartwarming heartbreaking and brutal and emotional and she is just the the standout in this film. i once an incredible partner alongside of her in Bradley Cooper. And I think he delivers a phenomenal performance as well. But to me, of course, the highlight for him is is the the way that he's able to direct this film. I think what I am so impressed by is that this is such a drastically different directorial approach from The Stars Born to this one where he's incorporating different styles and techniques from black and white to Technicolor to the way that he's able to infuse different styles of Bernstein's music within this film. And to me, one of the great things about biopics nowadays is I'm not somebody even though I enjoy a traditional biopic where it goes Goes through the life of a famous person. We see all kind of footnotes of what made this person who they are. To me, I always wanted to go into details and different methods and things that people are able to really kind of do and enjoy. And I think for me, one of the great things about this film is that it's able to really kind of engage and really kind of see this different part of Leonard Bernstein. We're really kind of going into a specific portion of his life, not a specific time angle. We're still going through the timeline of Bernstein's life, but we're focusing in on the relationship between he and his wife and really the kind of the the trials and tribulations of marriage and being married to somebody as iconic and legendary and as talented as Leonard Bernstein and what comes with it. And we see that really through the lens of Carrie Mulligan's character of Bernstein's wife. And I think it is just told so incredibly well from the page to the directing efforts to the performances. All this is done incredibly well, which is why my show is number seven on my list. And then moving on now to the number six film of my top 10 of 2023, which is... You don't tell a boy that's been left behind at Christmas that nobody wants him? What's wrong with you? There's nobody here, okay? You stay out of my way, and I'll stay out of yours. Let me sleep. Now, most of the kids dislike you, pretty much hate you. Teachers, too. You know that, right? I find the world a bitter and complicated place, and it seems to feel the same way about me. I think you and I have this in common. I've ever had a real family Christmas like this before. Thank you, Mary. The Holdovers is my number six film of 2023, directed by Alexander Payne, of films such as Sideways, The Descendants, starring Paul Giamatti, Divine, Joy, Randolph. This is the film that I was really looking forward to. I really enjoyed the trailers that came out for this film. I remember seeing this when I saw Oppenheimer in theaters on the big IMAX screen in Lincoln Center, 13 in New York City, and I'm somebody who loves 70s films, and when I saw this on the big screen, this just felt like a throw back 70s vibe of a film that I, I've never really seen before on the big screen. And so when I went to go see this film, I was excited about it. I, I really enjoyed Paul Giamatti. And going into the film, I was really looking forward to this one. And it, it met all of my expectations. And a lot of the reviews that I heard about this film were great. And it was a great film, a great leading performance from Paul Giamatti. Divine Joy Randolph very much is the front runner for Best Supporting Actress right now. She delivers a Performance that is against the other types of characters she has played in her career so far. And it's a much more nuanced, much more calm, quiet performance, but it's very powerful. And I think the same thing goes goes for Giamatti. I think the same thing goes for Dominic Sessa as well, who is a newcomer on the scene and delivers in a great performance alongside Paul Giamatti and Divine Join Randolph. And this one is just very much a human story. It's about these people who are stuck in this university during the holiday season and they have their own things going on and they're all kind of thrown into this circumstance together and you just see it all play out over, over the next two hours and it's a beautiful story and it's a human story and I just think the way that it's told... The way that it feels from the cinematography, the production design, it feels like you're in the 1970s in Massachusetts, in the Boston area, and I just thought it was a great film, especially watching it over the holiday season. I think this is one that, when I look back on and over the next couple years, I think this will become a film that I enjoy over the holiday season, whether it's during the Christmas time or Thanksgiving time period. This is one that I feel like you can go back to and enjoy and learn from and just really like these characters and like this story overall so the holdovers is my number six film of 2023 and now we're going into the top five of my list and in the number five spot for 2023 on my list is you gotta promise miles i promise who do you think you are We are supposed to be the good guys. We are. Spider Man Across the Spider Verse is my number five film. I love Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Came out in 2018. It was my number two film of that year on my list. And so I was very much looking forward to this second installment. It was on my most anticipated list for this year. And I think while it didn't hit the insane heights that the first film hit, that was just kind of a. When I saw that experience, it was one that I just. it's hard to explain. It was one of just finding this kind of, that first diamond in the rough that people were able to experience as the years have kind of gone by. And I think for me, with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, while it didn't reach the potential and the height of that first film, and I think nothing can really hit that level, I do think this was a great, worthy sequel to that film. I think it takes new risks and new heights in just animation overall, the way that they're able to mix and blend different animation styles into one film and not just focus. Usually what other animated films do is they focus on improving the animation style that worked on the their previous installment what this film does is it takes that animation style that they utilize in the first movie but adds in new layers of animation that make every single one of the, of the universes within the spider-verse work and unique and different and it all just kind of blends together nothing feels out of place the story in this one while again it is very much a one out of a two-parter that's set to come out in the next couple of years i think it does do a great job in elevating and furthering the story of Not just Miles, but also Gwen, and introducing us to new characters like Spider-Man 2099, Spider-Woman, all these new and interesting characters while continuing these certain stories that we're invested in, was really, really good. And I think it did a great job of, of elevating the lessons of the first film and adding on to it but also introducing new elements that i feel are very human and people can connect to and i think what these films have done is just introduce us to a great new character in both miles morales and also i think they did a great job of really fleshing out the the background of this gwen stacy in this film trilogy so far And I just think all of it worked really, really well together. I do love the cliffhanger for this film, even though, again, it's not telling a complete story. I do think that there was a journey that Miles and even Gwen went on in this film that feels complete, but there's definitely more story to tell in this third film. So I think they do a good job of that. But I'll say that they leave it off in a great cliffhanger, which I'm excited to see how it all pays off in the third film. But on its own, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is a worthy successor to the first film that came out and Into the Spider-Verse, but also is a great over. Overall film on its own and is number five on my list and then going over to my number four film on this list is <laughs> Godzilla Minus One is my number four film of 2023, and if you were to tell me this, even in the summertime that a Godzilla film would be in my top ten, let alone one from Toho Studios... I would have said, I, I don't know about that. I don't know if a Godzilla film might make my list. Maybe it could make my honorable mentions, or maybe it's a solid film, but it won't end up in my top 10, over in my top 5 section of my top 10. And Godzilla Minus One does just that. This film is absolutely incredible. And I only saw it a couple weeks ago. This is one of the late films that I saw while making this list, and it absolutely blew my mind. I heard great things about this film over the last couple of weeks when it was coming out in theaters and again I went in with my own expectations and those reviews in mind but at the same time I was hoping to enjoy the film and it was that and so much more this is an incredible not just Godzilla film monster film but just a great film period it's not just the monster action and the destruction that goes on and seeing a really cool Godzilla story but it's also a great human story and I think what's lost in a lot of these monster films, especially here in America, is that we focus on ridiculous human stories, and then we get into the big bombastic action, whether it's in a film like Godzilla vs. Kong, or in something like a Transformers movie, you, you get the cool action. Sometimes you might be vested invested in the particular characters, but you're not invested in the story that those characters are going on. But what Godzilla Minus One does so well is it, it shows you the great action and shows you the disaster in a Godzilla film, but it showcases a great human story that goes along with it. And it was really interesting to see it in a United States movie theater because it, it is a film that takes place in World War II and it deals with Japanese soldiers after that wartime and specifically dealing with kamikaze pilots. And I think to watch that in American, even though it's, it's been years and years and decades since World War II, to watch it in America, to see that distinction was really amazing, but also to go along with these characters and, and really go into the layers of what this story is telling, which is really about post-traumatic stress disorder uh, survivor's guilt, but also the beautiful story of creating a family that you didn't expect, protecting what is your own and fighting for survival, fighting for your own, the will to live and and living instead of holding on to the past and, and guilt. And all those things work together in this film so incredibly well that by the time you get to the third act, you're not just invested in the action, you're invested in the action along with what the characters are going through and whether these characters are going Going to live or die in the wake of the Godzilla's destruction. And this is really the first kind of Godzilla film where Godzilla isn't an anti-hero or helping the humans, he's the antagonist, he is the destructive force that if you know the stories of Godzilla, this is the Godzilla that we see. And the CGI is incredible. Godzilla is terrifying in this movie, and it absolutely delivers, and it's why it is number four on my list of top 10 films for 2023. And now to move into my three favorite films of the year, going into number three on this list, which is. Oh. She's an experiment. Good evening. Her brain and her body are not quite synchronized, but she is progressing at an accelerated pace. Tell me, where did she come from? I shall. Poor Things, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, starring Emma Stone, Willem Dafoe, Mark Ruffalo. I am somebody who was kind of hit and miss when it comes to Yorgos. I loved his film, The Favorite, when it came back in the fall of 2018. And this is a film that, to me, seeing the trailers, knowing Yorgos' kind of style, it's one that I've really become accustomed to enjoying. And this is a film that I was really looking forward to, and it absolutely delivered for me. And it's not just the... The, the filmmaking techniques that Yorgos brings to this, which is amazing, from the cinematography, the production design, the visuals, it's all breathtaking. But to me, what really makes this story and this film stand out is the story and the journey of the character of Bella Baxter, who is played by Emma Stone. And the journey that she goes on is absolutely remarkable in this film. And to me, the big thing that really caught my eye with this movie is that Yorgos again? Is very much a a particular director. He's not for everybody, but what makes his films work so well is that the people that are that are working on this film buy into it. And I feel like if the actors specifically are buying into the film that Yorgos is making, it will allow for the audience to buy into it as well, and that they're invested in this journey as well. And I think for for this kind of film. The investment that Emma Stone has in her character, same as Willem Dafoe and Mark Ruffalo, who are exceptional in their roles, especially Mark Ruffalo, who really steals every scene I think that he's in. And that's saying something, especially with what Emma Stone is doing in this film, which is remarkable, is telling and is striking. And and the investment that these actors have in these roles allows for the audience to buy into this this story and this world and these characters and really enjoy the ride that it's going on. It's comedic, it has some really good moments that some kind of good out laugh out loud moments, but it's also a great evolution of somebody who becomes their own person while seeing the world and seeing the beauty and the horror in it as well. And I think it's told very masterfully well in Yorgos's own style and the and the character development that these actors put into each and every one of their roles is incredible. So I love where this film went. I love where it ended. It's weird. It's kooky. But at the same time, it's endearing. And it tells an amazing story and transformation of somebody who learns about the world and becomes her own person through that. And so I absolutely love that about poor things. And now to move on to my number two film of this year, which is. Do you typically make it a habit of showing up at people's front doors unannounced? I don't like to take no for an answer. Oh, man. Here we go. You ask me what I do here, this is what I do. I find you players, and I feel it this time. Okay, it's risky. When you were selling sneakers out of the back of your Plymouth, that was risky. Don't change that now. For a rookie? Yes. Who's never set foot on an NBA court. That's the literal definition of rookie. Yeah. What's the plan? We build a shoe line around just him. I need the greatest basketball shoe that's ever been made. Who's the player? Michael Jordan. Air, directed by Ben Affleck, starring an A-list cast that includes Ben Affleck in a supporting role, but also stars Matt Damon, Viola Davis, Chris Tucker, and a plethora of others that are included in this list as well. This, to me, was a film that I saw way back in March, and I was hoping that it would stick on my list all these months later because I absolutely love this film. It was one of my favorites early coming out of 2023. I'm a huge fan of not just Ben Affleck as an actor, but also him as a director. I think he's one of the best working in the game today. Argo, I Stand By It, is one of my favorite films of all time, period. And I really have enjoyed his films previously, like The Town, Gone Baby Gun. And Air is one that I think is going to be up there on that list for me as well. I'm also somebody who's a sucker sports stories, the underdog story, and this certainly is one of those, which is basically the telling of how Nike was able to acquire Michael Jordan and basically create the Air Jordans that we know today, which is one of the biggest brands. Period. And it's just an incredible story, not just something that you have to be invested in as a sports fan, but if you're a business person or somebody who just loves a great human story, this is one to enjoy. I think Matt Damon is incredible. Viola Davis gives a great supporting turn as Michael Jordan's mother in this film. Even though she's not in it as much, the scenes that she's in, she impacts them and she just delivers every single time because she's Viola Davis and she has the talent to do that. I love the Speeches in this film the 80s kind of throwback film that this is while something like the holdovers is very much as a 70s throwback air is very much an 80s throwback with the music the the costumes the style that ben affleck brings and the direction and the visual interpretation of this film all feels like something you would watch back in the 80s and it is absolutely incredible and my second favorite film of 2023, but it wasn't able to knock off my number one film, and this is a film that I've had on on as my number one film for a while now, and usually if I have a film that came out earlier in the year that stays at number one, I'm always curious to see if another film can knock it off, and as great as a lot of films that came out later in the year were, they still were not enough to beat my number one film of 2023, which is... matter of life and death. But I can perform this miracle. World War II would be over. Our boys would come home. That's happening, isn't it? The world will remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. until somebody builds a bigger wall. Oppenheimer, directed by Christopher Nolan with an A-list cast that includes Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, Casey Affleck. I could go on and on and on for who is involved in this cast. It is a phenomenal cast, but it's anchored by a phenomenal leading turn from Killian Murphy, who is really with you from the very beginning to pretty much the very end of this film. But the star, the superstar of this film is, of course, the director himself, the maestro himself in Christopher Nolan. My favorite filmmaker working today. To me, he is, I always put his films number one on my most anticipated list when whatever he has a film coming out, this year was no exception. Oppenheimer was my number one most anticipated film of 2023 and it delivered in every single facet. It was a cinematic experience unlike any other that I had this year. I went back to the to the theaters multiple times to see this film over and over and over again, whether it was in IMAX, regular format, IMAX 70 millimeter. I had to see it in every format possible. The score by Ludwig Gordonson is impeccable. The sound design is incredible. The visuals are immaculate. The screenplay, in which it really delves into kind of the nonlinear storytelling that no one likes to deal with, is able to weave a tapestry that not just feels like a biopic, a three-hour biopic, but... Also feels like kind of like a political espionage thriller, especially towards the second and third act of this film. It feels like something out of JFK or all the President's Men. But you know what happens if you know the 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 story and the history of J. Robert Oppenheimer, and it is just absolutely incredible how this was able to keep my attention for three hours long. And I felt like every time that I went to go see the film, it went faster and faster and faster. And usually when I see a film and it's a long movie, some Sometimes when I see additional times because I know what's going to happen, it could feel a little bit longer to get to those points. But I felt like every single time I watched Oppenheimer, it just got shorter and shorter, and I enjoyed every single moment in this film. I feel like this is one of one's great films, even though I think I have the Dark Knight and Inception higher than this. I feel like this, when you look at the the filmography of Christopher Nolan, you could look back on this, especially whatever films he makes years from now. And when you look back on Nolan's filmography, unless he's able to somehow top this, you we could look at this film truly as his magnum opus. Everything he's been leading up to in his filmography, every technique that he's learned as a writer, as a director, could be leading up to this point with this film it is absolutely immaculate one of the best experiences i had the best experience i had in theaters this year one of the best experience i had overall in the last couple years in theaters the ending to this film is my favorite ending to a christopher nolan film period that includes the endings of inception the dark knight and many of his other films this one just left me with chills beyond chills and goosebumps beyond goosebumps this was just an extraordinary film from beginning to end kept my investment in from minute 1 to the ending of the film and truly it's well deserving to be my number 1 film of 2020 so there you have it, my top 10 films of the year, starting from 10 to 1, 10 John Wick Chapter 4, 9 Killers of the Flower Moon, 8 Elemental, 7 A Maestro, 6 The Holdovers, 5 Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, 4 Godzilla Minus One, 3 Poor Things, 2 Air, and my favorite film of 2023 going to Oppenheimer. So what do you guys think of this list? What is, What are your favorite films of 2023? Let me know what you think in the comment section and leave your thoughts. But with my top 10 down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the San Bassell Podcast and the last edition of 2023. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also make sure to tune in on to the ambiguous podcast solutions and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, The Number One Sourcey, What the Internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, make sure to check out Goal-Driven Professionals Geared Toward Improving Client Relations, Return on Investment, and Customer Acquisition Costs for Independent Businesses and Services. Also, make sure to check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, give you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Com. Also on Facebook and X at real the at real ambiguous. And if you want to check out the Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code ambiguous. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on X at Bissell Samuel. It's B U W S E L S A M U E L. And also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Once again, everyone, anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. And overall, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast in 2023. I really appreciate you guys for whenever you get a chance to to listen, whether it's a, a, a news edition where I'm talking about the news in Hollywood or a movie review. I really do appreciate it. And I can't wait for all the great stuff that I'll be bringing in 2024 and beyond so once again everyone thank you so much for tuning in have a wonderful new year see you in a couple days really in 2024 and until next time keep on screening